Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast, Pastor's Corner, episode four. Today, Pastor Dennis and I discuss what it is to be qualified to be a deacon. Uh, We did this because we were asked by the deacon body to bring this forward because we're in a time of deacon nominations. Now, normally we do this earlier in the year. We actually had planned to do this um, in January. Our normal time for doing it is April, but because of one thing and another and then COVID, we decided to just wait until we're able to reopen, but now we're able to reopen. So we discussed the qualifications of deacons as we see in scripture, as well as uh, the process according to our constitution. Uh, So if you have any questions about it, hopefully this answers, but if it doesn't, please just let us know and we will answer any questions you have about this process at our church. Thank you for joining us today. Let's listen. Welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast, The Pastor's Corner. Today we're going to be looking at a couple different passages, but we're going to be focusing specifically um, on 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 12. Um, We were asked to look at the qualifications of the deacons. Um, We were asked that because we normally do deacon nominations sometime between January and April, but a disease started that told us that we can't do it then. Now we're back together, so we actually get to do it. Uh, And I mentioned this in each of the podcasts, but we were asked to look at this. If you have any suggestions or um, questions that you want us to answer in a future episode, just let us know. Tell us in person or email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. Yeah, I'm excited about this passage. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that uh, I think we need to understand as we begin the process of selecting and nominating the next deacons for our church, the, those that will continue to serve. It's a, it's a high honor to fill the office of deacon. You know, in the church, there are two offices, the office of pastor and the office of deacon. And uh, the qualifications that Paul shares with Timothy and, and ultimately with us as well are important for us to understand. And so I'm excited to jump right into it today. So one thing, when you look at this passage, and, and I'm excited to look at this passage, I think this is something that in general in the church, and I'm not talking about Melani Baptist Church, but in the church, that we don't really understand as well as we should. Um, like Pastor Dennis said, that there's the two offices. There's the the pastor or overseer or elder or one of a bunch of other names for it, and then the deacons. And I think that name's pretty consistent. Yeah, well, and the, the Greek word is diakonos, and that's where we get deacon. And so it <laughs> we don't need another word. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it it's pretty straightforward for deacons. I think the only other word that I've heard by some churches used for deacon is trustee, but it's essentially the same thing because they're trusted to oversee certain aspects, certain services of the church. But uh, like I said, there's several passages that that look at it. We're going to mention the passage in Acts, but we're going to focus on the passage in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to read that now. It starts in verse 8, which says, Deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be
be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Having read this, it's important to see there's so many different aspects of these qualifications um, and that it's not just something to work for. It's, I mean, it is something to work towards, but it's not something that purely you can earn by works. Uh, we know a lot of the greatest things in your, in the faith you can't get by works. Um, but instead it's something that you seek, something given, something, uh, blessed by God in different ways. Um, but there are things that you need to be upright with. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this is something that God has to call you to. And so as we begin the process of nominating new deacons here at Mililani, we have to understand that this is something that we need to recognize uh, a calling in someone's life. We need to recognize that this is somebody who has demonstrated uh, spiritual maturity. They've demonstrated that they are capable of serving. They've demonstrated that they have a, a love and a heart for the people. Uh, all those things are, are important, and those are things that I believe God gives you, that God will develop in you a heart for the people, that God will develop in you a desire to serve. Um, and I think that's why so many of these uh, that you just read, so many of these are so closely tied with the passage just before this, which is why Paul says, and deacons likewise. Uh, likewise, what does that mean? Well, in the same way as elders, deacons are also, uh, they're also uh, a, a position that needs to be qualified. It's a position that needs to, uh, we need to look at some, some certain aspects of it. And, and I do believe that although Paul does not say it about deacons uh, in this passage, um, he does say about elders or pastors uh, that they must not be a recent convert. Uh, this is mm -hmm. uh, earlier. He says they must not be a recent convert uh, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. It's verse six. And so that that's a very important and somewhat scary verse uh, that they should not be a recent convert lest they become puffed up with conceit, uh, lest they become prideful. Um, and, and then in which case they fall into the same condemnation. And I've always believed that the same condemnation of the devil is that, you know, pride goes before the fall, that uh, why did the devil fall? Because of his pride, because he wanted to be, he wanted to be God. And uh, a pastor, and I believe that uh, an, a deacon as well, because I've seen it in ministry, uh, that a deacon who is a recent convert, who is not very mature in his faith, he allows the, the title to go to his head and uh, becomes prideful, and, and pride always goes before the fall. Well, I think that's in verse 9, and it, this isn't exactly what he's talking about to what you're referring to, but especially coming from qualifications for overseer, they must hold uh, the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, that it's not saying obviously the same thing, it's not giving the same warning, but you need to hold the mystery of the faith, all of the things that we understand and all the things that we can't understand with the, the respect that it deserves with that, um, reverence, mm -hmm. uh, that you hold the mysteries of 
the faith in reverence. Um, and again, that's not what it's saying, but usually the mystery of the faith is tied to that idea of the reverency. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, and I think a lot of people kind of gloss over this fact when they're thinking of deacons. Um, they think, well, we need to we need to pick somebody who's a really good teacher. We need to pick somebody who really knows theology well. Those are important, but if you notice, outside of holding the mysteries of the faith and technically you could stretch the, uh, they must be tested uh, to talk about theologically. Uh, again, I, I don't think that's what Paul's going at there. I think that that means that they've been interviewed, they've been uh, searched out by by the elders or board in our church by the other deacons, uh, that they've been interviewed, they've been looked over, that they've been tested to see if they live out this calling. Um, but outside of those two things, you don't have any... Um, knowledge requirements. These are all character qualities. And uh, and I think that's really important to highlight that as we're looking for deacons, we're looking for, for men of upstanding character. We're looking of men of, of quality uh, in their character. Well, that's something you'll see a lot, especially in churches that have the full two offices, meaning that in our church we do because we have the, the pastors and, and deacons. But uh, one of my churches in texas they have the elders the the pastor doesn't call himself a pastor he's one of the elders uh, and deacons and the way they view it is that the uh, elders focus on the spiritual teaching side who they they're the preachers um, music leaders sunday school teachers that's most of what they do and, and now granted this is a small church uh, and they do functions uh, differently than we do um, but then the deacons are the ones that are the servants. So the church, when I was there, had two deacons. One has since left to become a pastor, actually, but um, anytime somebody was moving, they were there. Not because Mm -hmm. they had this office and that was their job, but that's why they were granted that office, because that's who they were. Right. Um, They were always the first one there to help. One was a, or is a plumber, um, and he, if anyone had any issue, he was the first one to help. We, we rented a building. They still rent the same building, and it had a backup, and we could have easily said, well, that's not our problem. That's their problem. But he was in there trying to fix it for the building to make sure that, one, we left it like we found it, but, two, hey, they, they give us this. They give it to us at a pretty good price. Let me try and fix something for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's important that, that people recognize the, the character that's uh, required of of a deacon and and going back to what you were saying you know some churches call it different things some churches call elders instead of pastors and and in, in some of those churches i've heard of you know you have your teaching elders and you have your serving elders not that the teachers can't serve and not that the servants can't teach uh but you know in acts chapter 6 you know they specifically talk about why they needed those that could serve those that could reach out and and meet the needs of the widows and and uh, in in the early church and so that it's important that we do recognize that um yes the pastor needs to be a servant he needs to serve the congregation he needs to serve well but he's also leading spiritually he's also teaching he's also directing and and uh, receiving vision and 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 recognizing where the church needs to go and and trying to help manage and and all of those things that go into being a pastor those are all important and as a pastor, I feel like you and I are, are biased in this, but 
we fully recognize we can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm fully aware. I feel like I'm fully aware. Maybe I'm not of my own deficiencies and I, I can't, I simply can't do everything. And I think Paul recognized that Timothy couldn't do everything. Titus couldn't do everything. The early church leaders couldn't do everything. There needs to be a healthy blend of those that are able to teach and those that uh, serve well. And so that's where we're coming to this passage from. Well, and and that's reiterated in Acts 6. So Acts 6, 1 through um, 6 says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick up, uh, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So I only read up through verse 4. You can read the rest of the passage. But you can see in this that the apostles said we can't handle this and do our duties. So pick out from among you those that will help with this. Um, Now, I don't want you to see that as pastors shouldn't be involved in other things. But that we need to focus our time and make sure that we have the time we need to teach well, preach well, lead well, and all of those other things so that we need help. And again, this goes to how our process for picking deacons goes, because he said, you guys, you know your people, pick people that follow these qualifications uh, to do this duty so that we can keep doing what we need to do well. Yeah, and I'll just say really quick before we go back to the Timothy passage and, and quickly go through each of these qualifications or uh or at least most of them uh it is interesting that the apostles the 12 said it's not good that we should stop teaching to wait tables and i think i hear that and i just kind of it it takes me back a second because i thought man that's a it's a harsh way to say that but the truth is what is the role of a pastor uh the pastor uh, needs to feed the sheep. Uh, the pastor needs to uh, share the gospel, to teach, to train, to equip, uh, that we use scripture to do that. And so we have to be able to teach. If it comes down to you only have enough time to do one of these things, we, we've got to continue sharing the word. But but do as, as Pastor Caleb said, do not look at that passage to say, well, so then pastors are exempt from serving. That's not at all what that passage is getting at. Um, but speaking of serving, let's go back to deacons, um, because diakonos means servant. And so deacons, likewise, similar to the pastor, must be dignified, uh, must not be double-tongued. Uh, do you want to talk about being double-tongued? So with with both of those, it's really talking, or with that one, especially, it's talking about self-control. It's saying that you're not going to say one thing and do another. Um, it, it's making sure that your speech is what it is, that if you say you're going to help with this thing, that you're going to be there. Now, that's not to say that you're not going to fall through because something else didn't come up. That happens. 
but that's saying that you don't make a regular habit of saying, oh yeah, I got that for you. And then come to find out you never took care of it. Right. Um, and, and in the same way, it's that you're not going to lie about stuff. It's not going to say, um, knowingly, yeah, I can drive you there when your car broke down yesterday. Uh, now those are both kind of ridiculous examples, but they're examples to go show what that double tongued means. You want to make sure that what you say is true. Um, and that people can, um, trust it. Uh, one of the footnotes and the scripture that I'm using says, um, another translation is devious in speech. Yeah. You, you don't want to, you don't want to be deceitful. You know, you're, you're looking for somebody who's going to serve well. That's somebody who's not going to be, uh, double tongued or, uh, you know, we used to use the phrase fork tongued and, uh, you know, think of a snake with a fork tongue and, uh, talking out of both sides of your mouth. You know, there's a lot of different figures of speech that we use, but ultimately you, you as Paul said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, James tells us in chapter one of, of his letter uh, d- that we shouldn't be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and we, we need to be clear in our speech. And so I, I like the way that you said that about being self-controlled, because the very next thing, we need to be self-controlled in our speech, the way that we carry ourselves as we're dignified, we have good reputation, we are not double tongue, but also not addicted to much wine, um, without getting into a whole separate debate on wine there. Um, he simply says not addicted to much wine. Uh, and I would say you shouldn't be addicted to, uh, to any substance, uh, being addicted to something means that you, you crave it, that you need it. Uh, and that, that's a dangerous place to be, um, for somebody who's supposed to be serving others, because, uh, what are you going to choose in the midst of your cravings, and, and, and I'm not saying that you, know, you can't have victory over these things, um, but when you're called to serve, if you're not prepared to serve because you're inebriated, or you're not able to serve because you're not physically or mentally capable in that moment because you've allowed substances to control you, you know, Scripture says very clearly, do not be drunk with wine, but yet be controlled by the spirit. And so a deacon needs to allow the spirit to control him, not substances. Well, I think that, and this is why they're part of the same idea, but not greedy for dishonest gain is directly connected to that. Cause like you said, it's not just wine because in our day, one of the things we say in regards to passages that talk about alcohol and, and whatnot is that there are things that we need to apply these ideas to now because they didn't exist then, or at least not like they do now. Um, but this is where you and I agree when it talks about the addicted, that that's the portion that we need to focus on with that. Now, part of it with, uh, with wine is that you're ready to serve when you're called on. Um, but also you need to be reliable. So if you're not reliable, because we're afraid that if we bring you to something where you might make some money off of it, that we can't trust you, in the same way, we're not going to call on you. Um, this is part of what Judas did. And regardless of the um, actual betrayal of Christ, everything he did was for dishonest gain. Uh, we, we see that he was kind of skimming off the top the whole time. And in fact, that's why he betrayed Jesus, not because he thought he was guilty, not because he thought he did anything wrong, but to make a little money. Uh, so we want to make sure that 
there's no addiction and there's no greedy for dishonest gain. If there's something we're going into, say feeding the homeless, we don't want to think that you're going to hide a can of chili to sell on the black market later. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I think that pretty much sums it up. We, we need to be careful that, you know, when you put someone in this position, you're not putting them in position to fail. Uh, and it, it's also worth noting that a lot of these character qualities, I believe, are put here specifically because when you begin serving and you begin making a difference for Jesus, you come under attack. The reason why later on, and I'm jumping ahead of ourselves, but later on it talks about having a good marriage and, and managing your household well, your family will come under attack. Uh, I think Pastor Caleb could probably agree uh, with this next thing. Being in ministry, you will come under attack. Um, sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's quite in your face. Uh, but the truth is you will come under attack, and you need to be self-controlled. So whether it's... Uh, uh, we have some notes written down, but uh, I like the way that Pastor Kelly wrote, that you need to be self-controlled in your speech, your appetites, and your action. Um, the way that you interact with one another uh, needs to be self-controlled. And next, we talk about uh, being able to uh, being able to uh, hold the mysteries of faith, or excuse me, the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And just simply put, without going into great detail on that, uh, notice the earlier passage just before this talks about pastors and that they must be able to teach. You don't see able to teach as a requirement of a deacon, but you do see that they need to be able to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Again, they don't need to be, they're not required to be able to teach. However, they must be able to uh, have a good grasp of the gospel. Their behavior needs to match that of the gospel. It needs to be consistent with the gospel. Uh, and so as a deacon, uh, are you automatically um, the next Sunday school teacher because you're a deacon? And, and I just want to be clear that as you nominate people to be deacons, this is not our Sunday school teacher um, pool. Uh, you know, we would like for deacons to be involved in teaching and in leading, uh, but it's not a requirement. If you're not comfortable teaching, that's okay, but you better be able to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. You better be able to explain the gospel in a clear and understandable way. And if, if somebody says, I, I don't know how to explain the gospel, I'm not a pastor, that's not my job. Um, all believers are called to preach the gospel to all nations. Uh, the Great Commission, you know, go into all nations preaching the gospel, making disciples, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so it's really important that a deacon is able to hold the mystery of the faith. And to that, it is important to see, if we look at the, the section before this, when it's talking about the, the overseer, or elder, or pastor, or whatever uh, word you want to put in there, it, it does speak specifically say able to teach where it doesn't hear um now you may be asked to to cover if that's a need somewhere but i think of our current deacons to teach regularly yeah i think i think there's three i think it, either way there's there's a few that that teach off and on and you know as i'm going through the list in my head there's 
I can think of four. Okay. <laughs> so the longer we think, we might get up to higher numbers. Well, but but yeah, they, they teach occasionally and some teach regularly. But, right. But others and, teach more often than others. And I, I think the, the ones that teach regularly are the fewer. And the point to that is, is that, like Pastor Dennis said, you need to be able to share the gospel. But that's true of everybody. Um, but with our deacons, we, we when somebody comes down, they whoever's the deacon of the day is there in the front. Now, deacon of the day is functioning a little bit different right now in this time of COVID. Um, but that's still there. And if somebody's confessing Christ, the deacon should be able to help in that process. Not that it's a humanly process. Obviously, the spiritual aspect is God alone. But um, but they should be able to answer questions. They should be able to do that. But that's a different thing than teaching. Yeah. Well, and then Paul goes on to say, let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Uh, they need to be tested. They need to be, we need to put them through uh, some level of, um, of oversight. We need to see, and I think this is something that the church sometimes does not do. And when I say the church, I'm talking universally, not just here. Uh, I think that this, this is something that we don't do a great job of, whether it's deacons, whether it's disciples, whether it's pastors, we don't do a good job of observing and watching to see evidence or fruit of uh, calling in their life. We, we get somebody that says, hey, I'd like to do this, and great, we've been looking for somebody, so go ahead and do it. And that's not the best model, but Paul says, let them be tested, um, let them go through, let them serve, and if they show themselves blameless, continue on. But uh, their wives, and this is interesting because we're, we're given some requirements of wives for deacons, we don't necessarily see for pastors. Does this mean that pastors' wives don't have character qualities as well? Not at all. Pastors' wives must be women of good character, but I think that that goes without saying. Deacons' wives here must also be dignified, not slanderers, not, uh, excuse me, um, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Um, and so those, those requirements, it's important that in a family ministry that you and your wife are partners in ministry, whether it's ministry as pastor, ministry as Sunday school teacher, ministry as just volunteers, uh, wherever you see yourself in ministry, you need to partner well with your spouse. Uh, your spouse can either make you or break you in ministry. And, uh, and so it's important. And so Pastor Caleb and I, uh, again, we're biased. We feel like we've got great partners in ministry. Um, but a deacon needs to have a wife who, does that mean a deacon has to be married? No, pastors don't have to be married. Um, I think it's helpful. Um, but are you unqualified because you're single? Not at all. Um, and so that's another debate for another time. But, but ultimately, if you are married and you are seeking out ways to serve as a deacon, you need to make sure that together you are both complementing one another in ministry, that you're both working well together, that you're both of good character. And so I'm not gonna, I don't think we need to go through each one of those requirements for the deacon's wife. Um, I think we could spend a lot of time on a few of those, but uh, just I think Paul says it best. They, they need to be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And then he says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. That leads to a very interesting debate. <laughs> um, and just very simply put, for us, 
without getting into the debate today, and that's something that maybe we could branch into in another podcast later on, but just let's suffice it to say deacons need to be faithful to their wives. Mm-hmm. Deacons must be faithful. If you are unfaithful to your wife, you are not fit to serve in ministry. Does that mean you can't eventually serve? No. I think that there's a period of restoration, there's a period of reconciliation, and, and that's what redemption is all about. But you must be faithful to your spouse. Well, and that comes with some of the other things, and this is where you need to read the whole passage and understand the whole passage and understand because this is a different sentence. It's not a different passage. Um, so where it says be dignified, which means to have a good reputation, if you're somebody that's uh, wandering around, so to speak, you're probably not going to have that good reputation, or at least uh, you shouldn't. Um, but one of my pastor friends in Texas says, he describes this question of one wife is one or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, and I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. Um, is he talking about you can only have one wife ever or that one wife at a time? Uh, and again, those are interesting debates that we can get into. But for our purposes today, as we're helping you understand the qualifications of a deacon, just suffice it to say, it needs to be somebody who's faithful. If they have a reputation for running around, uh, they're not qualified to be a deacon. And as Pastor Caleb said, the passage starts off with being dignified, but look at how it ends. It ends with, uh, for those who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Those who serve well are known as upstanding, morally upright men. Um, and so it's, it's important that as we go through this passage, we recognize these are character qualities, first and foremost, that when you are praying about who you should nominate, and we're going to get into that very quickly, we'll go through the process for nomination. Uh, as, as you are praying about who you're going to nominate, think of men of good character. Uh, think of, well, I should say people of good character. Um, think of as you're looking through and, and understanding the men that need to serve, the men that ought to serve, the men that are qualified to serve. Uh, think of these qualifications. These are all character qualifications. Um, they need to be of a good reputation. They need to be self-controlled. They need to have sound faith. They need to be wise. They ought to be tested uh, and, and serve well. They need to have a good marriage, that they are um, self-controlled in their marriage, and that they're honoring their spouse, and that they uh, manage their household well. And uh, I'll say one more thing to that as Pastor Dennis uh, pulls up our Constitution just to read a few passages so that we know how we go about it. Um, But when it says in verse 12, the second half of the verse, managing their children and their households well, that doesn't mean that you need to be an expert in these things. But when you're entrusted to care for different aspects of the church, um, we need to see that kind of care taken in your own household. Um, Now, again, that doesn't mean that we need to really see it you don't need to prove that but it's something that if there's discrepancies if there's issues seen outside then that might call some things into question but that's that's what that passage that end of that um, verse is talking about that we see evidence that you can be trusted with things of the church because you manage your own home well 
but now we're going to look at the Constitution and just how we go about deacon nominations for anyone that um, is newer to our church um, or hasn't been around for whatever during the nominations. This is a different time of year, so maybe you're just not around at the beginning of the year when we normally do it. So um, this is, uh, Pastor Dennis is just going to look at a few few of the, the parts of the Constitution. If you don't have a copy of the Constitution and want to read it in full, just email us at pastor at mbaptist.org and we will get that to you. Right, and now this may sound different than other churches that you've been at. This is the Mililani Baptist Church Constitution, and I'm just going to read an excerpt of this. Uh, Eligible members of MBC, Mililani Baptist Church, who meet the scriptural qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 5-9, and Acts 6, shall be offered to the congregation as a deacon candidate. Deacon eligibility shall be defined in the operations manual. A person nominated as deacon must have a minimum of 12 months left to serve after election. Election of deacons will be held to, one, fill the expired or vacant terms, or two, to increase the number of deacons as authorized to the church due to the increase in church size. The procedure for the election of deacons will be as follows, and this is important for us to understand. The need to nominate and elect deacons along with the list of qualified persons shall be published for three successive Sundays. Nominations shall close with the last worship service of the third Sunday. During this period, any member may may submit written nominations. To be nominated, a person's name must appear on at least 15 separate ballots. So it's important that you help us nominate deacons. Excuse me. The nominees shall be personally interviewed by the, de- the by the deacon selection committee appointed by the chairman of deacons to determine qualifications and his willingness to serve. Names of nominees who are found to be faithfully or fully qualified and willing to serve shall be listed on a ballot and presented to the church at a regular business meeting or a meeting called for that purpose. The election of deacons will be held during the Sunday morning worship service following the completion of their testimonies. The number of deacons to be elected shall be specified on the ballot. After after consolidation, the ballots will be counted by a committee of the deacons and the church clerk or church secretary as appointed by the chairman of deacons. To be elected, the nominee must receive an, an affirmative vote of the majority of the ballots cast. Names of deacons elected will be announced at the next morning worship service. So starting this Sunday... Jan, or excuse me, June seventh, uh, I believe. Uh, starting this Sunday morning, June seventh, as we have our single service at eleven, but we also have the evening service at six. The ballots will be on the back counter. You are free to come by and pick those up. We will also be sending out an email, um, also in- including the ballot for those that are uncomfortable with coming just yet. That will be available in the service for the morning and the evening services for three consecutive weeks. At the end of the evening service on the third week, so this is June 7th coming up, so three Sundays out from there, the end of the evening service, those ballots will be collected, uh, and we we expect that the nominations will be received over the next three weeks. And so whether it's in person, dropping them in the, the deacon ballot box, or uh, online emailing in the written 
nominations. Um, we will then collect those nominations. The deacons will then complete that process and s- submitting those names to the church. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, starting this Sunday, the nominations will be open. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one of the other things that I'll say to that, because I was here last year during the deacon nominations. I think they ended right before you got here. Right. Um, but if there's somebody on the list that you don't know who they are, and maybe you're not good with names or whatever else, maybe just take it for a week and look for a picture of the person. Ask us, who who is John Doe? So we can show you, oh, I, get, I know who they are. Because they may be somebody that you see all the time serving well, but you just don't know their name. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's... That's something that then make sure that you know who they are before you disregard them, because we want to make sure that all of those who are qualified and honestly, the ones who you don't know their name may be the ones that you want to serve because they're doing it to do it, not to do it, to get recognition for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important that if you have questions, please contact us. If you have concerns, please let us know. Uh, we want this to be an informative process for our church members, but we also want it to be an efficient process so that we can elect some deacons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is this is a necessary aspect of the business of the church, that we need to conduct this so that uh, all of our families are being served and, and that their needs are being met. Our, our deacon ministry model is a family ministry model, which means each family... Each attending family of our church is assigned a deacon who will contact you throughout the year, who will reach out to you to make sure everything's going okay, to see if you have any prayer requests, if you need help with anything. They're there. If you need something, uh, I would encourage you, contact your deacon. If you have a prayer request, contact your deacon. Uh, We want you to be able to do that. Does that mean you can't contact Pastor Caleb or myself? Absolutely not. Please contact us if you need things. Um, But the best practice is go to your deacon and let them know what's going on. And if, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you say, I didn't know I had a deacon, let us know that. Uh, we need to know because if there's things that aren't running efficiently, we want to fix it. And uh, I, I think that Pastor Caleb and I are, are pretty perceptive people, but we can't fix what we don't know is broken. Yeah. And so if there's an issue, if there's a problem, uh, this may be opening a box, but... Uh, let us know if there's an issue. We need to be able to know that so we can fix it. Well, and also, if you're one of our members who had a deacon that left last year, like uh, uh, Ben or Jacob, to go to school and to his next duty station, and you don't know who your new deacon is, I believe all of their uh, uh, families were reassigned, and, and they're all connected. But if you had one of those or somebody else that you had a deacon who's no longer here for any reason and you don't know who your new deacon is in the same way, just let us know. We'll make sure that we connect you with them. Um, the, the deacon family ministry model, which is the model that we use is a very important thing. It's something that we want to make sure, uh, pastor Dennis and I, like he said, contact us, but we can't always be on top of everything. We, we have, um, and we're blessed to have too many people for us to personally keep track of everybody and everybody's needs. And that's part of what the deacons help us do is keep track of what's going on. Um, and in fact, this week at our, our deacon meeting, uh, one of the deacons brought something up to us with one of our families that we weren't aware of. So we were able to contact the family and make sure everybody was good. Um, but that that's part of what it is. So if you don't know who your deacon is or you haven't been in contact with them for whatever reason... Let us know. 
email them, call them, make sure that, that they know that you're one of theirs. Right. Now I'll say this and then I think we'll, we'll wrap it up, but, um, it's no secret that Mililani has gone through a lot of transition over the last couple months. Uh, as transitions happen, we want to make sure that we do everything we can to make sure that people don't fall through the cracks. Uh, as there are transitions with deacons coming and deacons going, uh, there are transitions with staff members coming and staff members going, that as these things happen, we want to make sure that everyone's needs are still being met, that everyone is still enjoying the sense of community that we have as a body of believers. And so it's important because this this is one practical step that we can take by nominating new deacons and making sure that all of our families are being served well. Uh, with that being said, this has been a little bit longer of one of uh, one of our longer podcasts, but I do hope that it's been informative and that it's been uh, encouraging to you as you seek out who you're going to nominate. And so I just, I think I'll ask Pastor Caleb if he'll pray uh, for you uh, as you're listening to this, that uh, we would all just have wisdom and discernment as we select the next round of deacons. Yes, let's, let's pray to close uh, today's podcast. But before we do that, um, if you have any questions or comments either about this or other topics you'd like us to talk about in future podcasts, I think Pastor Dennis and I got 10 or 12 different ideas in the just the term of this recording. Uh, but just email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. And that, that's true too if you have any questions about the deacon nomination process. Um, or qualifications in particular. Uh, if you have any prayer requests in particular, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. Obviously, you can contact us personally with those or your deacon as well. Um, but if you email us, just let us know. Do you want that to stay between the pastors, between the, the pastors and deacons, or if you want it to go out to the whole church, because we want to be praying with you over everything. And if you are listening and you are not a member of Mililani Baptist Church, we are glad that you uh, have joined us today. Um, and if you want more information on our church, uh, you can visit our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on uh, all the social medias at NBC Hawaii. Um, but now let's end this uh, time with uh, in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that we're able to have these things, that we're able to podcast, that Pastor Dennis and I are able to discuss these different um, things going on in our church. And I just pray that as we have the deacon nominations coming up, that you give wisdom to all of us to who you have called to that office in our church right now. We've gone through this, and I just pray that that we can all do this prayerfully and consider prayerfully um, who you've called to serve your church, uh, who you have called to serve your people. And I just pray that as we begin this process, that it is done uh, not to better our church, but to glorify your name uh, through our church. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.